Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Swung. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. everybody happy thanksgiving and welcome to the network and by the network i mean a nice amalgamation a combination a crossover episode if you will of the locked on braves podcast and the platinum sombrero podcast as i am with my trusty partner in crime i am the lone ranger he might be the lone ranger actually i might be tonto to his lone ranger but it's doc herbert with me as always and doc since we're doing this as a crossover episode that means my locked on braves guests They get to hear what it's like to have you read an ad, and I know you've got one set up and ready for us. This is not a fake ad, by the way. I should mention this. Because Locked On and the Platinum Sombrero happen to be at different times of the year sponsored by different people, I get to use different ads at different times. Luckily, I've got Doc here, who is a far better professional than me. And Doc, our show today, for the Platinum Sombrero side of things, has a couple of sponsors that we have to get out of the way. Do they not? They do. You put a lot of pressure on me just now. I'll see if I can live up to it. We at the Platinum Sombrero are proudly presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the number one online sports betting site. They've got all the best prop bets, all the most up-to-date lines, cheaper than Las Vegas and not nearly as many pedestrians or lights. It's a big weekend in college football, so you could put your money down on Ohio State to beat Michigan, Georgia to smash Georgia Tech, uh, Auburn uh, over Alabama in the Iron Bowl, War Eagle. Yeah, you might even want to find a line for whether or not Duke can put up 115 on Miami. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can do it with mybookie.ag. Once again, mybookie.ag is the number one sports gambling site, and if you use our promo code CHAIR, like the wooden thing I am sitting in right now, they will give you up to $1,000 for your initial deposit match. There's a real chance to make some cold, hard cash you can spend on food, lodgings, or whatever vice you feel so inclined to spend it on. MyBookie.ag. Play, play, win, and have a great time. Get paid with my. 
Bookie.ag. The best in the business. I keep saying. <laughs> well, I certainly appreciate that. You're making me blush, but you can't tell because we're doing radio. That's right. Well, speaking of doing radio, we did just do our radio voices there. The Braves, on the other hand, are almost in, it almost looks like they're in midseason form. Um, it's almost like Alex got really annoyed of hearing how many times we mentioned financial flexibility last year. Uh, and he's like trying to thumb it in everybody's eyes. The Braves have yet another signing for us to talk about, as it seems like the Braves, the Braves have probably signed 80% of the free agents that have gone to this point, right? Braves have signed four. Uh, does anybody else besides the White Sox have anybody that they've signed? Cardinals signed Wainwright, but even even that was kind of a that's a re-sign. Deal. Yeah, that's a re-sign. I don't count that. Right. So yeah, I mean, Braves are they're out there. They're doing work early, man. They they have their checklist, and I I honestly think they're trying to coast into Christmas, not needing to do anything else. It, it's almost like they're trying to get to the winter meetings, but only one with only the major spot left. It's like they've got the cursory details ironed out as they bring in Travis Darno, former Met Travis Darno, former Blue Jay Travis Darno, who has Doc pointed out on the TPS uh, Twitter page, formerly traded along with Noah Syndergaard for. R.A. Dickey. R.A. Dickey. <laughs> Braves legend R.A. Dickey. Uh, brought back now by Alex Anthopoulos after having kind of a, a career resurgence year last year. Uh, started out in, in New York, but really where he kind of figured things out was Tampa Bay, where he split a lot of time at first base and catcher. Uh, really had a turnaround season. Darno's been a guy who traditionally has been a, a good defensive guy. He's always had some power. The problem with Darno has always been health. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think that that's fixed. But the deal, two years at $16 million total, so $8 million a year, that's not a, that's not a nothing chunk of change there. It's significant because it's, it's really in line with the rest of the, the different signings for this offseason. There's, there's none of these super low-ball moves where, you know, Brian McCann getting $2 million last year, he could have taken a lot more from somebody else. So that particular move was was tiny, you know, and it, and when presented in tandem with the Josh Donaldson thing, cause those happened within 24 hours of each other, you know, you couldn't really be sure which direction they were going to go. And ultimately they wound up taking the very conservative route. Now they're being super aggressive. This is the most they've given to a catcher in, in a while. You know what I mean? Because we just talked about McCann. They, they really didn't give too much to Kurt Suzuki a couple years ago. Uh, AJ Przinsky didn't get that much. I mean, th- this is like, this is kind of a big deal here. And Darno. As far as available market options, I know that you were super set on Wilson Contreras to, for for a trade with the Cubs, and, and I would like to formally apologize to you for that having not happened. But Darno is a really, really good option. And everybody had been kicking around like Jason Castro and Alex Avila because they're natural platoon partners with Tyler Flowers, they're lefties. But I mean, neither of those are really overwhelming signings. And and. All things considered, when you start looking at this for balancing the offense and the defense, I think this is a great move. You know, and and for eight million dollars a year, you know, eight million dollars is equivalent to one win above replacement. And you know, Darno, even if he's going to be splitting time with Flowers, that's easily attainable. If his even even if his health kind of gets in the way a little bit, then he can still post one WAR and and be worth that contract. So I, th- I think it's a good move. I mean, I, I have no problems with it. I would have liked Robinson Chirnos a little bit more, but I, I get I get it with Darno. Uh, you're getting a guy that has a, a, a good amount of pop, 16 homers last year, hitting the 260s if, if average is your thing. But he's also a guy, and this is important, 
to notice because Alex has trends. A guy that graded out positively defensively and in the past, aside from last year, has been a strong framer. Wasn't necessarily a good framer last year, but he had to work with a new pitching staff, which tends to have a lot to do with it there. But traditionally, a good framing catcher, and that to me seems to be Alex's main worry when it's talking about when talking about catchers for his teams. He wants guys that can frame well. Um, we've talked about this before. There's not a lot of lefties in the National League, so if you're talking about strictly platoon here. Um, I don't think it's going to be as much of a platoon as people think. I think Darno, as long as he's healthy, will get the majority of the starts because since they're both right-handed, um, I, I think you'll see Darno taking over as, as more of the main catcher as long as he remains healthy with Flowers giving him some days off. Maybe working with, with particular pitchers if Flowers has a, 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 a relationship with a guy that he just happens to be a little bit better at than some of these other guys. We'll see what happens here. I don't, I don't mind the signing. Um, I don't know that I would call Darno the power bat that you're looking for, but adding his bat in the lineup in replace of Tyler Flowers or Brian McCann most definitely lengthens out the lineup. As long as he stays healthy, this is a good deal. Yeah, and and it's similar to note with Darno that it's kind of like Max Freed. You know, Max Freed has a somewhat lengthy injury history, but it's never the same thing. He had the Tommy John. He had the lower back thing. He had blisters. He had He's got... All these different things. And it's similar to Darno. He had uh, Tommy John surgery, hyperextended right elbow, bruised wrist. Uh, I mean, he's had like all all these tiny little things. He, had, he had underwent the concussion protocol a couple years ago. So because you can point to it not being one thing where, you know, he's got chronic shoulder issues or he's just got a wonky heel or, or something like that, it almost gives you a little bit more faith because it's not just one thing that, that continuously crops up. But one thing that I really do like about this move, you talk about trends with Alex and, you know, the focus on defense, the focus on framing, you know, both of these guys graded out positively defensively last year and Darno's framing metrics have taken a step back every single year. You make a good point about him working, working with a new pitching staff Darno was splitting time with the Mets in 2015 with Kevin Ploiecki when they wound up going to the World Series. And their rotation had Jacob deGrom, Noah Syndergaard, and Matt Harvey. This was the last year Matt Harvey was still really good. Hey, so, hey and Steven Matz. It, well, was Matz even playing that year? I think that was Matz's rookie year, correct? Well, well I, can, I can never be sure. It's the Mets pitching staff, so you know somebody's hurt at some point. It was, I'm thinking of Zach Wheeler, who was, who was out with Tommy John. At the at the same at that same time, so there's the ability to call games. There's the ability to manage the pitching staff and being with like some of your elite guys. So when you're looking at guys like Soroka and Freed, who are primed to take the next step, Fulty, who rebounded really really well at the end of the end of the year, um, this could be a really really good match as far as the pitchers that the Braves have in house already. And this could also be. Something that if they are looking at a, at a big free agent target, like, you know, we know that Garrett Cole's not coming here. We know Steven Strasburg's not coming here. And Zach Wheeler's probably a long shot since they already wound up giving up the draft pick for Will Smith. But you can make the case that this makes coming here even more attractive. I think, I think that there were a number of teams, or excuse me, a number of free agents that looked at the Braves and said, we have a good presentation point here, and we can say we can help you get over that hump that you haven't been able to get over for the past 15, 20 years. Like, we know you haven't won a playoff series since 2001. We know you were supposed to beat the Cardinals, but you didn't. My client can help get you over the hump. Travis Darno would never let you allow 10 runs in the first inning of Game 5 of the NLDS. I think that 
all of these different things are kind of swirling together. And like, if I was a free agent, yeah, I'd want to come to Atlanta. Absolutely. So a guy like Darno, you know, his brother played here. He's got some familiarity with his time in the NL East here. Good move. It's a really good move. Yeah, I've got no problems with it. Um, as soon as Grandall was signed anyway, I and mean, it took a lot of catchers off the market, uh, I'm, I'm going to light a candle in mourning for the Wilson, the potential Wilson Contreras addition to Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies, but I'll, I'll get over it at some point. Uh, it, it does kind of look like it's a totally different style that the Braves are trying to employ this year. Last year, they tried; they didn't make a lot of small moves until they made the big move. Josh Donaldson obviously being the big move, but the problem was after that big move, they didn't have anything else really that they did aside from being, bringing back Mark Akis and and bringing in McCann on a two year deal. They didn't uh, they they didn't do a lot with their pitching staff until Dallas Keuchel and, and you know you know how the story goes. Well, this year it looks like the Braves are trying to get all of those. I don't know what the right word for all, all the complementary pieces out of the way before they go in looking for the main course. So you're you're getting things like your second catcher out of the way. You're getting things like uh, re-upping with, with your depth guys or Marquecas and, and Duvall platooning together. There's still some big-time holes on this team, especially when you're talking about uh, a middle-of-the-order bat, your cleanup hitter. Uh, third base, you're still looking at Today, you're looking at some sort of platoon between Austin Riley and Johan Camargo, um, and that's not something that I think Alex is looking at. You're still in need of at least one starting pitcher, probably two. Uh, th- there's still a lot of moves that, that can be made here, and I think the Braves are trying to get out in front of this and get it done as quickly as possible. One, because of agents of players will notice that, and that will kind of up the amount of people that are looking at the Braves because they know you can get a deal done quickly. Uh, the other, it'll leave them wide open in the winter meetings to focus solely on acquiring that one mega piece. And I, I prefer this method as opposed to last year's don't sign anybody forever type method. Even if the Braves end up with the exact same type of offseason as they did last year, this one's a whole lot more fun. No doubt. And, uh, because they're being so aggressive early on, like like you had alluded to, Yasmani Grandal is really the only free agent that was, uh, especially anyone who was like highly touted. You know, the Mariners signed Kendall Graveman, whoop de doo But you know, Yasmani Grandal that that was a big deal. But the Braves went out, they got Will Smith, they got Travis Darno. Everybody else is sitting on on their laurels, just waiting for a plan. The Braves are like, no, we have a plan. We we have specific targets in mind. We're not picking up scraps. We didn't have to go get this crappy reliever because the three guys that, you know, we bided our time trying to save $500,000 on a deal. No, screw that. It, we're getting out ahead of it now. We want Travis Darno because we want him, not just because we had no other options. Same thing with Will Smith. It, but but you're right about not getting the big pieces. Like, do you ever watch Wheel of Fortune? I know you're young, so you might not be watching like Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Um, I've watched Jeopardy more than I've watched Wheel of Fortune. Okay, same. But it, this this reminds me of like the final round of Wheel of Fortune, where it's like you get your R S T L N E, you know. So you've you've got like your anchor spots, right? But then you still have to get a couple of complementary pieces. That's like these were those complementary pieces, or this is like buying the vowels, you know. And we're gonna get into how to fill the the remaining pieces later for third base and starting pitching and everything, and those will be the consonants. But these right here, these are good vowels. The, we have the best vowels. So I don't know. Like and and this is this is they set the tone last year. 
and I like that they're setting the tone this year, but I like the way they're setting it better this year because they, they are a much better team. You have much more faith in what they're doing right now. Absolutely. You can't really find any fault with who they're bringing in or, or the way that they're bringing in people right now, especially once they brought in Will Smith. It doesn't look like you're just trying to save some money. It looks, for all intents and purposes, no matter who you ask, that the Braves are kind of all in right now. As of today, they've got like 40% of their, of their um, salary is tied up in relievers. They just gave $8 million a year to a platoon catcher. That would lead you to believe that this is not where it stops as far as payroll. As far as payroll goes, I think they're at about, after this deal, they're probably at about one, close to 115-ish. Um, so I would imagine you can see something big. We know they've got at least three spots left they have to fill. They can fill a couple of them internally, but I don't think that's what they're looking to do. And when you listen to, whether it's Alex Anthopoulos telling you that they have a lot of money, whether it is... Uh, uh, or Liberty Media CEO telling you that the Braves are going to be all in. Like we told you last week, this is the, the Braves are, are doing a good job of, of ponying up. They're nutting up and not shutting up here. They're not giving you the hokey, we can shop in any aisle thing. They're just casually going out there and spending the money. And last week it was Mike Plant, who was the uh, president and CEO of the Braves Development Company, and now Greg Mafai, which I think is how you pronounce it, who is the CEO of Liberty Media. He went on CNNBC and was like, yeah, we got some money. We're going to spend it. And he, part of it was the guy that was hosting the show was a huge Mets fan. And <laughs> pretty much the entire interview, the, that segment of the interview was based on Mafai just crapping all over the Mets, which he's a man after my own heart. But it's interesting that twice in the last week, you have people that are above Anthopolis and and above the, the team that should be making these personnel decisions that they're everybody's like, yeah, we are going to spend a lot of money. We are set up to do so. We're making money from the battery. Everything that we hoped would happen has started to happen. So, I mean, it's what was opening day payroll last year? 113, 117, 117. Okay. So they have to get a starting pitcher and a third baseman and fill out a couple of extra holes there. And they have $2 million to do it. And you another know, pitcher. Yeah, I mean, like, clearly payroll's going up. And, you know, if they got their sights set on Josh Donaldson, you know, let's say that they get him for 3 and 70 at $25 million of of which comes out next year. I mean, that's a big deal. That That's humongous. I mean, that's 140 OD payroll, and that doesn't even count a starter. So payroll's clearly going up. Their parent company is clearly seeing how important it is to just keep this keep this mechanism running. The more money that goes into the battery, the more you can churn it back into payroll. So this is what we've been waiting to see for a long time, man. I'm just, ooh, I am so excited. It, it, I've said it every time they sign somebody. What now? What do you do? Because if you've got your vowels or you've got your complementary pieces, then there are still some anchors that need to be in there. And you can you can feel okay about Austin Riley platooning with Nick Marcakis in the outfield if you've got another big third baseman. You're not going to go out and get Miguel Sano or somebody, but like there's another name that we have talked about a lot that happens to play on the south side of Chicago. So, Or is that on the north side? I can maybe North, north side, side, you heathen? See, I, I went to Guaranteed Rate Field, and it, that was on the south side, and uh, it peppered my last experience of, of being in Chicago. But, you know, so... Not to be con- confusing that we're looking at a White Sox third baseman, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's other pieces out there that can be got. We've been waiting to see Trader Alex for years. He was notorious for those massive deals, including the, one of the ones where Travis Darno uh, wound up 
leaving Toronto and going to the Mets. I mean, we're going to see it. We're finally going to see it, I think. There's not really much of a way around it. I mean, payroll, it wouldn't surprise me for payroll to be $150 million on opening day at this point. Um, There are a lot of things that would happen to me should that be the case. I'm not sure I can talk about any of those on air right now. Should they happen, though, I'll probably throw all caution to the winds and discuss them in great detail with you all. Um, But there is one other thing that I wanted to get to before we break into um, some, some projections of our own. I saw this post on Facebook. Yes, Twitter people, I saw it on the Facebook, so you can quit rolling your eyes. Um... And it, it was more concerning Liberty Media and, and the money that they're spending. And it sounds a little conspiratorial, uh, but with the public opinion being so influenced with the whole, are they going to chop or not chop or, and all this stuff, uh, somebody brought up a point about maybe they're going to spend more money in order to kind of change the narrative a little bit so people aren't talking about that as, as much as they are talking about how much the Braves spent, because Lord knows the best way to get people to be happy is to put a winner in front of them. I thought it was an interesting post. Uh, where are you at on that? Do you think that has any play at all, or do you think this is just kind of the natural order of things? I think the timing might be a little coincidental. Um, I, I think it was only a matter of time before the chop started getting phased out anyway, and the fact that I mean, this might have been a predetermined raise in payroll. The the whole th- everything surrounding Game Five, from the vibe going into it to what happened during it to the immediate aftermath, the whole thing was weird. Everything about it was weird, and and I think because of how it ended, like if the Braves lose lose that game two to one, then you might be looking at something different. You know, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. That maybe maybe they're maybe they're trying to do something like that. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if the Brewers and the Twins just announced they're kind of going to some throwback uniforms for the 2020 season. Wouldn't surprise me to see the Braves possibly go to a different um set feather, of- feather, feather. <laughs> maybe. I mean, those are really good-looking uniforms. They're like those baby blues from the from the Murphy era. They're the you know, best uniforms. The and I don't even care about the baby blue. The the royal blue and white. Those feather unis are the best uniforms in Major League Baseball. Oh, Sucking like those, Yankees and your those, stupid pinstripes. Those throwback ones that they wore against the Phillies, like when the Phillies yes. had the zip up. Yes. Oh, I mean those are yeah, those are classic. I I just I love those, and so it wouldn't surprise me like if that was kind of how they because you can't just fully stop the chop. Like, you have to, if you want to get rid of it, well, no. you're going to have to phase it out gradually. But you, know? you can't stop it anyway because people are going to be able to do whatever they want with it because it's 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 not it's not team-driven as much as they like to play it up. I mean, it's always been people-driven anyway. So people are going to do it no matter what. I think what the Braves are going to try to get away from is the team being the ones in charge of doing it. It'll be a lot like the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL. Um, but I, I think that it definitely plays a role. I don't know that it's... Liberty Media saying, "Oh, oh, we have to, we have to pay them back for how much they're going to hate losing the chop." I don't think that enters into it. I think it's simply a case of a big business who's looking to keep the narrative as pos- as positive as possible and trying to bury something that they don't feel like discussing. So, throw a lot of money at people. The Braves were close. Liberty Media finally got a chance to see what it's like when the Braves are really, really good, and how many people go out to the battery and spend that much money there. There's a lot of determining factors. And if this gets me the feather uniforms forever, then I'm perfectly happy. Um, give can me the I, feather Can I uniforms. raise a, a, a counter scenario here? Sure. 2020 will be 25 years since the Braves won the World Series. And I think that putting that type of stamp on it, saying it's been a quarter of a century 
since something like this happened. I mean, and you can debate, you know, why didn't they do this after five years or 10 or 15 or whatever? I think that once again, it comes from being a perfect storm of saying we need to correct whatever happened at the end of last year. And once again, it may have been a predetermined payroll increase where they're just saying, whatever, we're just going to go. Maybe we're going for it next year. I mean, maybe remember there was that that midnight trip that Alex Anthopoulos had last offseason where he had to go to Denver and talk to the Liberty Media crew. I don't necessarily buy into the Liberty Media caring especially much about how the Atlanta Braves turn out. They're not based here in Atlanta. They're not they don't have anything to do with the city other than the fact that they own the team. Uh, They're a media conglomerate. They're not really tied into Atlanta in any one way, but when Atlanta when Atlanta does well, they make more money, and everybody cares about making more money. So, I, I think that there's a lot of different factors that could be at play here. Um, it, it could be a, a planned increase. It could also be the fact that now every team in the NL East has won a World Series since the Braves last did. Uh, th- there's a number of different ways. All I really care about is that we're getting the money to spend and, and get people, and it's not just money. The Braves are also set up to bring in people through not just free agency. But through trade, because we do have a ton of parts and pieces now that are luxury items. And th- there's a lot that can be done that leaves us dreaming uh, of a very fun offseason and dreaming big, if you will. And speaking of dreaming big, Blue Chew can help you dream big, can make your dreams a reality. Okay. Guys, do you remember the days okay. when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra in the bedroom that you that you've been looking for listen up bluechew.com that's blue like the color blue that is the place to go blue chew brings you the first chewable with the same fda approved active ingredients as viagra and cialis so you know they work and you don't have to watch that weird commercial about two people being in separate tubs randomly blue chew is ready and available to take anytime day or night even on a full stomach even on an empty stomach and since they're chewable they work twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises there is nothing worse than planned sexual encounters you can be spontaneous with this blue chew you could benefit from an extra function and more confidence when it counts blue chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance most guys talk a good game but blue chew helps you follow through blue chew is prescribed online ships straight to your door so there's no awkward meetups it's in a discreet package so even the mailman has no idea what you've got going on in your pants no in-person doctor visits no waiting in the pharmacy no awkwardness they're made in the usa and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, there's a special deal for our listeners. If you go to BlueChew.com, get your first shipment for free. F-R-E-E, free, free fitty. When you use our special promo code armchair, you know how to spell that. I'm not spelling that for you. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code armchair to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, except in the bedroom. Oh, well done. What can blue do for you? God, man, I, I you know, I think I'm just going to kind of like line up into and, and just kind of line up into the fact that these are the guys that we get to advertise our show. Love you guys. <laughs> oh, man, I'm I'm sad I didn't get to get to do the blue chew ad this week or the manscaped, which was brilliant. Oh, I've got that one ready to go. <laughs> Next time we get the green light. Oh, my God. But anyway, back back to the subject at hand, dreaming big. Doc, you and I both think that there is something very big on the horizon for the Braves, whether it's a trade or a free agency. I th- we both think I think there's multiple. 
I think we uh, can both agree there's a trade coming. Because when you look at the third base market, aside from Mike Moustakis and Josh Donaldson, free agency-wise, there's nothing. Uh, Trade-wise, you and I have talked about one certain guy we're going to talk about here in a second when we get to our projections. But even in the trade market, there's just not many. There are not many great third basemen that are available, period, because it's such a, a barren position right now. Maybe in a couple of years that'll be different when some of these minor league guys start to, to infiltrate the majors. But as of right now, there's there's maybe three, maybe four targets that I can think of. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of people are going to have the same projections here as far as third basemen go. But with that being said, you and I, we're kind of struggling with topics for today's show. So we decided that we would do a little bit kind of like what we did last year, only instead of projecting where every major free agent is going to sign, we're just going to do with the Braves. We're going to give some Braves projections and knowing the way Anthopolis operates, we're going to look like idiots. But um, that being said, I'm going to let you be, uh, let you be idiot number one and go first. I'm honestly kind of disappointed we're not doing the full league rundown because it was it was great to stress over where I thought Freddie Galvis was going to sign uh, last offseason. But, uh, I mean, for me, it, it's like I alluded to before. I mean, it, it's Chris Bryant or, or, or bust as far as third base goes. I mean, you can you can call Oakland and you can offer them a bounty for Matt Chapman, but part of that's going to be colored by the fact that he's, I mean, is he still making the league minimum? I think so. I mean, Chris Bryant is going to make a lot more money than Chapman, which which is going to figure into it a lot. But when you, you've heard Anthopolis before talk about you don't make these giant blockbuster deals unless you feel like you're one move away. And I think that's part of what all of these signings have been is, is getting them to the point where they do legit think that they're one move away or one or two because, you know, we both have multiples in here. So there's going to be some type of trade. You know, last week we laid out all of the all of the different reasons why there there should be because you you've got your triple triple A logjam you got the ability to take on more payroll the Cubs future is looking very bleak and they they certainly don't want another 108 year gap between World Series so there's obviously going to be a matchup there thank you for letting me be idiot number one by the way I couldn't stand the injustice of being number two um, number outside two of th- <laughs> if uh, outside of outside of third base you got to look at the rotation. You know, Soroka and Freed are going to be there. Fulty is is going to be like they're they're counting on him to be in there. And we've talked about Sean Newcomb and whether or not he's going to move from the bullpen to the rotation. Anthopoulos has come out and said he's going to. He's going to get every opportunity to move back in there because they still believe in him long term. Okay, fine. But you and I are both aligned in the fact that we think Sean Newcomb is a really, really good trade candidate here because he's got unfulfilled potential he's maddening to us and it may not be quite as maddening to other teams which it's harder to fleece than it than it used to be I think but I start looking at different lefties that could wind up filling spots in in the rotation in the instance that Newcomb winds up getting traded to the Cubs for Chris Bryant or or whatever um and I got two guys one of which we have talked about a lot and another we have not one is Robbie Ray from Arizona and when I look at Robbie Ray, I see something similar to Kevin Gossman in that you could make a case that this analytics-driven front office is going to look at him and say, okay, this guy has massive strikeout stuff, and when he's on, he is positively filthy. The problem is he's not always on. So if you can look at the walks, I mean, he he has really struggled with free passes in the in the past couple of years, but he's also striking out 12-plus per nine. He's kind of like... If Julio Tehran struck out about 
70 extra guys a year. I think Ray could be interesting. He's a one-year guy, so that kind of fits in that older Anthopolis mold of not giving you know too too many years or, or not um, promising money too far out. He's projected to make $10.8 million next year. You could even maybe work a deal of Newcomb and Newcomb Plus and uh, for Ray because he does have a little bit more of a track record. He has been a starter for, for long enough. But outside of that, I look at somebody like Eduardo Rodriguez from Boston, who is not in a dissimilar position to where the Cubs are, to where they got the World Series. They Their culture is wrapped back up in winning after a couple years of, of being... Um, like not even necessarily lovable losers, just kind of just kind of losers. I mean, there are plenty of people that um, that hate the Red Sox, but Heim Bloom, who, who just came in as their chief baseball officer, he's got huge decisions to make over here. Mookie Betts, it's gonna be hard to trade Mookie Betts for what you actually think he's worth because of the twenty-seven million dollar price tag. Like in a perfect world, you're gonna trade Mookie Betts somewhere that you can get them to pay all of the salary, and you get a huge prospect haul. It's not going to happen because teams are smarter than to do that, even for somebody like Mookie, even for supreme talent like this guy, which is why J.D. Martinez is going to be tough as well. It'd be harder for J.D. He's making less, but he's also very limited. He's either D.H. or I guess you can put him in the outfield if you really want to cross your fingers that that he's not going to see the ball too much. So I look at Eduardo Rodriguez. For the Red Sox, he's a lefty. He went uh, 19 and six last year pitching in the AL East. He let's see, uh, 381 ERA, 386 FIP, or 3.7 F WAR. Doesn't walk a ton of guys. Pitching in the AL East, I think, is big because you're looking at the Yankees, you're looking at the at the Rays. Those were two really really good teams this year, and so for Bloom. He's got to look around at what are his realistic trade options. Andrew Benatendi hasn't wound up panning out as as well as a lot of people thought he would. Raphael Devers isn't going anywhere. We talked about Betts. We talked about Martinez. So somebody like Rodriguez could bring a prospect haul and start moderately offloading some of the money. Now, somebody like the Dodgers might take a chance on Betts. But as far as somebody like the Braves, that could be a sneaky, excellent pickup, I think. This guy threw 203 innings last year, and he has... Got a moderate track record here. So if I have to choose between Sean Newcomb, who I really like, or Eduardo Rodriguez, who has the track record, I think I got to go Rodriguez in that situation. So as I say at least once every episode, I just talked a lot. Please say something. I mean, that Eduardo Rodriguez is a really good name. I think you may be the first person I've heard to actually mention him uh, as a potential fit for the Braves or even just mention him. I mean, he's a guy that's always had a lot of talent. He's usually had some problems staying healthy. Last year, I don't know that people realize he went over 200 innings last year, and he might have been the best pitcher that the Red Sox had, even when Chris Sale was on the field. Eduardo Rodriguez is a very good player. Uh, doesn't kill you with the walks. I'm not a Robbie Ray guy myself. I'm not a big fan of guys that give up a lot of home runs and walk a lot of people. I think your analogy to Gosman was, was a good one. I think he's a lot like a left-handed version of Kevin Gosman. A couple years ago, it might have been a different story with Ray, but I, I, I can't see giving much up for Robbie Ray at this point. Um, I do agree with you on Chris Bryant, though. I do think that that is the target for the Braves. 
Now, whether or not they actually get that target is not up to them. The Cubs have to be willing to trade and not ask for ridiculous things in return. So I think that's the that's the key point here is you have to figure out what is the correct valuation of Chris Bryant. Um, you can't just sit here and let's say if Chris Bryant is healthy, uh, another year removed away from the shoulder surgery, chances are he's a six-war third baseman. Anywhere from five to six, we'll say. Um, maybe closer to five, but I think he'd be closer to six if he's now that he's another year away from the, the shoulder. Uh, that, that's an incredible third baseman. I think he's he profiles very similarly to Donaldson. He's not quite the defender, but he's a better offensive performer, and he's a lot more versatile. The question is, would Stint use that versatility, or would he play third base every day? Um, th- there's just a lot of different things you can do with Chris Bryant, and I'm, I'm big in on that. But if they start demanding Pache, Waters, Ian Anderson, or any combination thereof, then obviously the Braves are going to walk. So in that case, just to be a little bit different, I'm going to agree with you. I think Chris Bryant is the projection. But let's say for the sake of argument that they ask way too much. I think Mike Moustakis would, would be the next up. Um, I think the Braves could get that done on a two-year deal, maybe two years and, say, two years and $30 million, some somewhere around there. Uh, might be a slight overpay, but I think it'd be something that would guarantee Moustakis to sign and the Braves would be able to still have a, a, a clean-up type hitter. Now, like you, I also have two pitchers. I also have two left-handed pitchers as my next two projections. One name you should all know because I've – beat this drum for what feels like a month now. Hinjin Ryu. Uh, this is the guy that I think the Braves are coveting more than anybody because, Doc, you brought it up already about dealing with Zach Wheeler. They've already given up the pick for Will Smith. Hinjin Ryu does not have a QO attached to him. He's not looked at in the same realm as Cole and Strasburg, despite having very, very good numbers himself. He's not viewed with as much upside as Zach Wheeler. But Hinjin Ryu over the last two seasons has been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. He seems to really have figured out his stuff. He's been able to log a lot more innings now that he's kind of got a lot of these fluky hamstring type in- injuries out of the way. Uh, he's a guy that does not give up home runs. I believe it was .89 per nine. So he fits right into the Soroka mold. He's lefty. He's got a lot of good stuff. He's got multiple pitches, and he goes deeper in games, and he's got playoff experience. I think Hinjin Ryu fits everything that Alex Anthopoulos covets for pitchers. He's a veteran with a ton of experience. Uh, he's a guy that, that would work great with both Soroka and Freed, especially as far as the home runs go and, and figuring out how to get people out, aside from just blowing them away. And he's a guy that, that you don't have to give up a, a pick for and won't be you know, $25 million a year. I, I could see something for you getting done uh, 3 and 50 or 3 and 48, which is $16 million per. If that's all it costed for Ryu, I'd be, in on, I'd be in in a heartbeat. I think that's the next big signing. I think that that is the guy. Um, aside from him, old buddy Alex Wood, I think is a very, very under underrated pitcher. And I'm not talking about Alex Wood being at the top of your rotation where a lot of people kind of got some pushback towards my idea. If you're talking about Alex Wood as your four or five, that's that's going to be one of the best four or fives in baseball. The question with Wood is always health. If he stays healthy, he's a phenomenal pitcher. If you look at his stat lines, he's, he's very, very good. Still got a lot of good strikeout potential. Gets a lot of ground balls. Uh, doesn't give up a ton of home runs either. And yes, last year was not good in Cincinnati where he got hurt. But you're getting him out of that ballpark. 
Uh, I think Alex Wood would be a very, very good piece. Again, wouldn't be expensive. Something on a one-year, $5 million. Maybe you give him two years and $10 million. Um, but I, I think Alex Wood would be a phenomenal addition to the back end of this rotation. And if he gets hurt, you still have the young guys that you can roll with there. To your point about Sean Newcomb, I think Newcomb is gone. I think Newcomb is gone in the deal with Chicago to get Chris Bryant. Uh, I think Chicago will love the John Lester comparisons as far as body type. Uh, and I think that that is one piece that the Braves will have to say goodbye to. Not to say anything bad about Sean, uh, but the Braves do have a plethora, and a plethora of big-bodied left-handed pitching, by the way. Um, so that's my projections. If I were going to rank it, I think Hinjin Ryu is the most likely to be brave. I think Chris Bryant would be number two, and then Alex Wood would be three. The Wood one is really interesting. You know, he he was, you know, we had the highest of hopes for him. And, and that... That trade that he was in was just of all of the different moves that that Copy made. That one, that was just that was a not weird. a good one. That was not a good move. Yeah, well, the whole the whole thing, every everything about that trade wound up being, and somehow the Marlins wound up winning that deal, and they didn't have any, anybody of substance that actually wound up getting moved. But you know, you look at the the home runs that Wood has given up for his entire career. Uh, as opposed to last year. I mean, he he only pitched 35 and two-thirds innings, but he averaged 2.78 home runs per nine, which is, that's preposterous. That's too small of a sample size. And to prove it, he has not had a year where he gave up more than one home run per nine of his entire, at any point of his career. Majors, minors, anything. So coming off of off of his back stuff, his shoulder stuff, I mean, he he's going to be in need of that same type of pillow contract that also, Donaldson had where it's by the way, reestablishment contract. Real quick, I should point out, working with Driveline this offseason. Yes, which is huge. So there's something there, and I think that I don't think that he would be opposed to coming back here. He did go to the University of Georgia, so he, he has got some, some time here, not to mention you know spent two and a half years pitching with the Braves. So I like the Wood call. I like the Ryu call as well. I mean, it wouldn't the pick being a big one there. That's huge. So, you know, for some of these guys, like if you trade for Bryant, you know that in two years, then you're going to be able to offer him a QO, QO as long as he stays healthy and recoup one of the prospects, or at least the possibility of one of these prospects. But somebody like Ryu, who's 32 now, you know, you don't have to give the pick up now, but you also don't get one on the, on the back end of that. So would you could actually make the case if he were to come and take a small deal, it, that it wouldn't be dissimilar to Donaldson. He comes in off of an injury plague year, performs well, and then winds up getting a QO and then you could re- recoup something there. It's wide open. This is the fun part. Like even, even knowing last year that you, you projected three and 48 for Ryu throwing out $16 million for a free agent pitcher. I mean, even last year, before we fully knew what the offseason was going to be like, I think we knew that something like that wasn't going to happen. Now, it's wide open. Not only is it possible, like, I'm kind of expecting it. There's there's still going to be something. And I, and I I spent all of last season just waiting for that big big move right around the corner. And, and it never never fully came after the Donaldson thing. So this is, this is twisting my vision of what's actually going to wind up happening. The good news is, Opening day is in four months. Four months from today, and that sounds like a really long time, but it's actually not. Spring training starts in like ten weeks, eleven weeks, and that's you know we can do that. A hundred and twenty-one days till opening day, and until opening day. Now, the other thing I want to point out real quick uh, on the Chris Bryant thing: why I think the Hinge and Ryu is more likely. I think Chris Bryant would be a later move because they're going to have to wait on the hearing to figure out if he's got one year of control or two. 
And before everybody just sides with the club and it's like, oh, yeah, no, he's going to have two. He's not going to win that. Really look into his grievance. Um, it, it's one of the more blatant grievances in baseball history. It's, it's actually probably the, the single biggest reason why the CBA is going to change the, the service time for the service time agreements for these players. When you look into this, uh, where they told him his defense needed work, yet he didn't play in the field, uh, where Mike Olt had his wrist fractured and Bryant didn't get called up until like one day, uh, the day of that he could come up and they'd still have the service time. I believe he missed one extra day in what gained him, um, gained the Cubs a full year of control over him to keep him from, uh, he was a super two, but I think he missed the cutoff by one day. So read into that grievance. CBS Sports has it on there as well. Uh, very interesting read. But as baseball-wise, I think that's pretty much all we've got for you this week. Um, it is Thanksgiving week, obviously, so we thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for, for being patrons and listeners to us. Um, it really does feel like a big, giant, Braves family. Um, but Doc, you and Val, lovely, lovely couple, some of my favorite people in the entire world, what do you guys have going on for Thanksgiving? I'm assuming you'll be driving all over the place because as an adult... Thanksgiving becomes a, a, a kind of a stressful day. No, we actually we're flying up to Columbus, Ohio. Um, so which is where or Val's parents live in a town called Johnstown, which is probably about half an hour outside of Columbus. Uh, we're flying up there on Wednesday and then coming back on Saturday night. We've this will be the first time that we've spent uh, Thanksgiving up there with her family in a couple years. Uh, her sister and her sister's fiance and her sister's fiance's son uh are, are all coming uh, coming in town so there's going to be seven of us a hold up at the trail family farm it's going to be a blast and uh i'm just going to eat myself into a food coma my inner fat kid really loves a good eating holiday so between halloween thanksgiving and christmas i'm just going to be i'm just going to be a tubby mess what are you doing for thanksgiving bud well I've got, of course, my, my brother's actually coming home. Uh, he'll be coming home. We're recording this on Tuesday. He'll be home tomorrow, uh, which will be nice. Yeah, he lives in North Carolina, so I don't get to see him all the time. That'll be nice. Uh, we'll do, of course, we'll do a big spread with my family. We will go to Sarah's dad's, I think, uh, a little bit later in the day, where we'll stuff ourselves more and see the thousands of nieces and nephews uh, and then we'll head to her mom's probably that night and do it all over again. And by Friday, when I'm working a Black Friday shift, I'll feel like I need to die. Ooh, that's brutal. That's absolutely brutal. I've just noticed this is kind of what happens with me and holidays as I get older and older. Like, I, I enjoy the excuse to just eat as much as I want. Uh, but it becomes a lot more stressful. There's a lot more stuff that you have to do when you're an adult. It's, oh, man, I got to go to this place and this place and this place. It's not really much of a day off anymore. Everybody gets excited that you have a holiday coming up for school. Well, for work, it's like, cool, I get one day off, but I have to spend that day off doing stuff. Yeah, I I, uh, I spent a long time working in the service industry, and that was just kind of written in the contract of, you know you're going to be here. The, like the entire weekend after Thanksgiving and pretty much as soon as the business opens on Friday, whatever time that might be all the way through Christmas Eve, you're going to be at work no matter what. So, um, for that, I do, I do feel sorry for you. Wear comfortable shoes if you're going to be on your feet. And pl plus if it's going to be the day after Thanksgiving, I am anticipating you're going to gain like four extra pounds. So something like with some extra insoles or support. <laughs> I'll need that. And I'll need a lot of like Tums or, or something to, and I'll definitely need a lot of coffee that day because I will try to go into a food coma. 
Do you have a Thanksgiving food that you just tend to overdo it on? Hash brown casserole. I'm not, I have a, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but uh, everybody's been doing it on Twitter. So what the hey, hey, we'll do it here. I don't think turkey is all that good. I think um, the bigger the bird, the worse it tastes. I suppose I can, I can see that. So you're like in the, the chicken uh, Cornish game hen type. Yes. Both of those way better than turkey uh, with, without question. Um, unless you're talking about honey baked ham turkey, the honey glazed turkey, then it's different, but that's perfect for sandwiches. Not really, not really talking about just cooking a bird and taking big chunks off of it. Uh, but hash, hash, the hash brown casserole that my mother makes and the sausage balls that my lovely wife makes are two things that I will gorge myself on. When, uh, you know, we've lived in this house for, this will be our third Thanksgiving since we moved here. And the first year that we, or before, excuse me, the first, the final year before we moved into this house was the first time that we ever did, did our own Thanksgiving. And I was so excited. It was like the first time I'd ever done the turkey. And we made this, we got up this morning, we went and ran a huge race, came home and we just cooked and cooked and cooked. And I love cooking. It's very meditative, especially something like this, where you got all these different um, dishes and, and things that you got to pay attention to. I actually, I, I genuinely love it, but it was my first time ever doing a turkey. And I didn't realize until I had taken it out of the oven that I had left the bag of giblets inside the turkey. <laughs> I got really lucky that the, that the bag didn't like melt and adhere itself to the, to the inner rib cage and whatnot. But, uh, um, I'm glad to not have to cook this year and and recreate that. Every time the word giblets even comes up in mixed company and Val's in the same room, she just kind of gives me that look like, you dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Luckily, we don't have to do too much of that myself either. I'm... uh this year we decided to just buy from Honey Bank Tam instead of make it ourselves, and I'll be happier for it because it means I will have sandwiches for like a week straight. I mean, that's the best part about it, right? Thanksgiving food is like Italian food. Like, it's good at first, but it's better as leftovers. Exactly. As yes. Leftovers. Thanksgiving leftovers are better than Thanksgiving dinner, by far. Like, I don't even have to heat the leftovers up. You know what I mean? Like, some cold stuffing, it's it's like a piece of pizza. Like, it, it doesn't matter what temperature it is. Just pop it's, it open and eat it. Yep, absolutely. We don't need to get plates involved. I'm just going to pop open the Tupperware and eat it right out of the container. Right. Uh, do I do the same thing with uh, sweet potato souffle. Marshmallows or no? No, no marshmallows. No marshmallows. Pecans and brown sugar. Hmm. It should be able to stand up on, on its own merits. I suppose that's fair. It's absolutely delicious. That being said, though, we are going to cut this episode a little bit short. Sorry we didn't get any second intro music today. We didn't have enough stuff going on to feel that we needed two segments. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's a little bit shorter than we normally do. But we're busy people. We got things that we have to do. I do find it interesting that on a week that we have touted that we had nothing to talk about, we still made it like 48 minutes. That's very good. This is it's just what we do. We just we just talk and talk and talk. That's right. But uh, to, to all, of our fa- all of our listeners out there, thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have a fantastic Thanksgiving, and we'll catch you next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero.
Okay, thanks. Bye.